Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Good evening, Chicago. How's everyone doing tonight? I'd love to introduce our moderator for tonight's discussion, Paul Wertico, and of course, legendary jazz musician, Roy Haynes. All right, everyone. Wow, this is really an exciting night. And I'm so excited to be asked to do this because, I mean, over my career, Roy has been my main influence. And I'm not going to talk about a lot of stuff about me because you're here to hear him. But let me just say that out of all the drummers over the history of jazz, I mean, this guy has played every style and has always fit in and always been identifiable and has always made everything he's ever played sound so musical, but all, always just with excitement. We're going to open things up for questions. Um, also, let me show you something really quickly, too. If you guys don't know this, in the new Chicago Jazz Magazine, which is free, this is the September-October issue, Roy is on the cover, and there's a great interview in here. So you can pick this up um, at Andy's or any of the jazz clubs. They'll fill in some of the gaps that we might not cover today. But anyway, Roy, welcome to Chicago. Yes, thank you. Feels good to be here. So what do you feel like starting? Do we, should we talk about history or should we talk about... Um, oh, just keep talking. Keep you talking. Good. You oh, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's my voice, you know. I've been working on that. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, drummers, we have a voice, right? I mean, on our instrument as well as... So we might not be singing, but we do have a voice by the way we hit things. And that's the thing that's always been incredible about Roy is that he has this attitude in his playing and that henceforth you know he's called snap crackle right who came up with that do you remember the, per the person that came up with I that i really don't remember who came up with that but that that uh, snap crackle it sounds good right right and the w it's just the way he tunes his snare drum the way he plays the ride cymbal everything it's just all it has this attitude and it it's it fits your personality it's so great cuz you're so assured of yourself, and, and that's, that's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to hear, but you're also supportive in everything you do, too, and that's how it uh, comes out. So to be able to play from Lewis Russell through, you know, Charlie Parker, to play with Thelonious Monk, to play with uh, John Coltrane, to play with Larry Coryell, who I've had the pleasure to play with a lot. I mean, he, this guy has played with everyone, and Chick Corea. I mean, the, the Now He Stings, Now He Sobs record. Okay. We should talk about some of this stuff, because these, these are influential records and influential artists that goes down in the history of music. Do you have anything to say about any of these particular artists? I mean, we should talk about Sarah Vaughan, obviously, who you with five years. Um, well, uh, you sound very good. You just keep going. It's cool. <laughs> oh, no, you're making me work. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, anyway, um, as long as I'm talking, I want to talk about some, some things that Roy had to do with me being, you know, a musician. Um, one of the greatest records ever made, for, especially for piano trio, was a thing called Now He Sings, Now He Sobs. And it came out in 1968 on Solid State, if I remember correctly. And Roy's name was not on there. It was just Chick Corea, Now He Sings, Now He Sobs. It did not have the bass player or the drummer. But there was a sound on this record that I had never heard before. It was the cymbal that had this tick to it. It was like the cleanest sounding cymbal I'd ever heard. And it was called a flat ride cymbal. And I immediately went out the next day and got one because I, you know, it was like it changed my life. So can we talk a little bit about 
you know, like sort of what that is about? I mean, because that's sort of your sound, right? Your flat, flat ride? Uh, well, that was the symbol that I had at the time, and uh, I guess that had a lot to do with uh, what I was trying to do. And, and do you remember what symbol? Was it a Piesty at that time? I think it was a Piesty. Well, let's talk about then, let's talk about some of your influences then, okay? Because, I mean, that's really, you know, the lineage of music is, th that's what we hope to do is, you know, accomplish something and have other people take whatever we do and run with it and invent new things. So who, who are your favorite drummers at first? Like Joe Jones, probably, of course. Uh, yes, uh, Papa Joe, as uh, some of us remember him. Mm -hmm. Papa Joe was the drummer that played with the Count Basie band in uh, the 40s. And when I was a teenager, they, some of the people said I looked like Joe Jones, Papa Joe. So that inspired me as well. And, you know, he was very slick with the way he played a ride cymbal and the hi-hats. The way he played the drums in general, I thought, you know, he was so uh, naturally I loved that. You know. Uh-huh. What, so what other things about him? What other things about him? Yeah, just, this, you know, like melodic quality well, or groove well, or whatever. Th that, that was a lot right there. I liked the way he, I liked his feeling and what he played on the drums. Uh-huh. The way he handled the whole things. And when they told me I looked like him, naturally, that inspired me as well. I was young, younger than him, of course, you know, but that inspired me. And when they say you look like him, I mean physically or also the way you move? I didn't ask them. Because that's interesting, I mean, you know, <laughs> as far as the way you move, too. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I don't know, you well, know, if you well, think well, about I'll explain it. Explain that so uh, the uh, people here will understand, and I will also understand what you meant when well, I moved. <laughs> that was cool, though. Okay. <laughs> no. And I think you also mentioned J.C. Hurd was another drummer that, that you liked back uh, then. Well, he reminded me of Papa Joe. Okay. For one reason, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he was, I liked the way he played. And did you take anything particular from that? I mean, you know, how people not only gravitate towards the way somebody generally plays, but any specific things, you know, any particular, not, not licks necessarily, but the sound or how they approach the instrument. Anything like that, do you remember? Well, I think a lot of it, as far as uh, Papa Joe, as we called him, was concerned, you know, and, and he was with the Count Basie band, and that was a swing band. And uh, I liked a lot of, the way he would hit a rim shot, the way he would play his ride cymbal, all the hi-hats. He had a way of doing it that sounded so good. Now, did you study formally? Uh, you know, did you take lessons with any people, or are you mostly self-taught? I went to Boston Conservatory for a little while, yeah, and uh, I was taking some drum lessons at the time, I thought, but it wasn't learning how to play ding, da da ding, da da ding. I'd learned that from records and things right, like that. Absolutely. I was just... I don't know, it was something that sounded good to me. I was from Boston uh -huh. at the time. I lived in Boston, and Boston Conservatory, there's a lot of syllables there. That sounded good to me, too. ba da 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 You're laughing, but let me hear you say da 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 Pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so basically it was probably a more of a classical, you know, learning proper, quote-unquote, well, snare drum technique and how well, to read I didn't stuff, stay or? that long, really. Okay. I just went there because it sounded good. Boston <laughs> okay. Conservatory, dot, 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 dot. Right. 
And now it's in your resume, so you've got that down, right, in case you need yeah. the proper conservatory <laughs> training. Okay, so then after that, you just started just playing, and, and, and that's how you learned, or, you know, like, wh what did you work on in early to get such oh, an interesting well, sound? I was playing before I went, you know, to the school, you know, ever since I, even when I was a teenager in school in Boston where I grew up, you know, I was playing while I was in school. That's when I, I started playing professionally. Okay. You know. And was the scene, I mean, it's, it's not New York. Were there local musicians from Boston that influenced you, or what was the scene like back then? Well, uh, there were there were some uh, drummers that really influenced me because uh, they had uh, listened to Papa Joe. Papa Joe means Joe Jones. It was a, a drummer with Count Basie during uh, late '30s and uh, '40s as well. You know, and that's the guy. They told me I looked like him, so I wanted to sound like him as well. <laughs> well, if you guys don't know who Joe Jones is, you should definitely check him out. I mean, there's things on YouTube. His solos are amazing. I mean, sometimes he'll solo, and it's, it looks like his drums are his children. And he'll play, and he'll look, and it's almost like, okay, you know, you be good. You know, and they, oh, you, you know, it, it's, it's such an amazing thing to watch. I mean, the fluidity of this guy. I remember he had the brass technique. Papa Joe just was, he just, it was amazing to watch this, the flow of him, you know. Did that, that have any influence on you just seeing how effortless he made it be, even though it, it was amazing what he was playing? Uh, the question again was... Well, my question is, like, watching somebody like Joe Jones, just, it, he is such a master at what he does. He makes everything he plays look effortless. Did that have any kind of thing? Well, you know? uh, even before I did see him in person, I was listening to uh, the Count Basie band, and he was the drummer uh, with the band, and uh, before seeing him, I was intrigued by what I heard. Then when I did see him later, you know, naturally... Yeah, I was more intrigued, you know. Okay. It was great. Okay. So then after that, I mean, you were talking about a couple of drummers. Any other people? I know you never saw Chick Webb, right, because that was before your time. Uh, you know, I mean, who, who, else, who else around that time, you know? I mean, there was, there was like Sonny Greer. There uh, were a lot of different players that were really great. Uh, there was J.C. Hurd. Did, did you ever see J.C. Hurd in person? No? That, no, that's before my time. But before your him, time. I've seen him on... Uh, well, he sort of reminded me of uh, Papa Joe. He looked a little like him, and some of his action was like uh, Papa Joe. He played with the Cab Calloway band during the time, and he was very flashy, and he could swing, and he played great solos as well. He was one of the, the drummers that also loved Papa Joe, and when they said he looked like Papa Joe, that was even more uh, to intrigue, you know, the great drummers. Right. What about Sid Catlett? Sid Catlett, I loved Sid Catlett too, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I did get a chance to meet him when I was a teenager too, when in, he came to Boston, that's where I was living at the time, you know. That's, in fact, that's where I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Did, did some of these guys, did you ever get a chance to hang out with these guys and, and did they, you know, talk did and I, just, you know, as a kid learn? Did I ever get a chance to hang out with uh, Papa Joe? Or yeah, or Sid, just... Uh, well, Sid, not Sid Catlett as much as Papa Joe, but I was around him, you know, when he would perform in my hometown, Boston. I would be there in the audience and sitting there near him, you know, on the bandstand. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I wasn't as close to him as I was with uh, Papa Joe. 
the name Papa Joe right there, you know, I felt like I was one of his uh, children. Right. You know? Well, it's funny, you know, on Jack D. Jeanette's first uh, solo record, you're on that. And there's a tune called Papa Daddy. Cause, I mean, right. Yeah, oh, because that, the, yeah, true, Jack yeah. Jeanette, he considers you that. You know? Right, Papa Daddy and right. me. Yeah, yeah, how about that? Yeah, that's a great record, by the way. You know? Wow, wow. Well, thanks for reminding me about that. <laughs> <laughs> so then, okay, so, so then you're breaking in the scene and, and people start hearing you. So what happened af after, after that period of playing like with Lewis Russell? Who, who did you go with? Uh, I went with Les Young after that, okay. yeah, and which would have been uh, 1947. Okay. And I stayed with, uh, with uh, Les Young for a couple of years till 1949. So that must have been amazing. Yeah, who Joe Jones had played with. Yeah. That, oh, that was, that was great. Okay, and, w and, and any of these guys, they just let you play the way you played and you were developing your style, your sound, or did they tell you certain things? I mean, anything that, because you, you know, a lot, a lot of times people, when they're young players, sometimes they're left alone, sometimes you know, somebody wants something specific, you know? Did they just basically let you do what you did because they liked what you were doing? I, I think so, yes. I couldn't wait to answer that, really. Really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was true, you know. I never work with somebody that explained to me what they wanted. I never experienced that. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And so yeah. that allowed you, obviously, to, to develop more of your own sound. And people wanted you so you could play the way you heard the music, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I knew and I had an idea why certain people hired me. You know, my feeling was because of, I don't think it was necessarily the way I played solos, why I was hired. I think it was, dang, 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 I think it was that. That yes. feel, yeah. 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 Okay. How did you start breaking in, like playing with Parker and all that? How, how did that stuff start happening? Uh, you really want me to try to describe, you know, how that was or what that was about? Sure, because you know, <laughs> that era is gone and that vibe of how it evolved is gone. I mean, now it's taught in, in schools and once in a while there's scenes, in, but it, it's, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just asking what it must have been like and, and how, how would a musician naturally advance without having uh, how, how would a musician advance? I missed the rest of that. Say well, that. I mean, advance as far as like getting around, you know, getting the word out that other people would say, oh, you know, that's Roy Haynes, so he sounds great, you should hire him. Is that how, obviously that's how it all happened, right? Uh, I, n I never analyzed or tried to analyze why or how it happened. It just seemed to have happened that way, the way it happened. You know, I would think it's the feeling in a lot of cases, the feeling uh, that I had on the instrument, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I think during, that was during the 40s, 1945 was when uh, a band leader really heard about me. I lived in Boston and the band leader was in New York City and he had never heard me, but he heard about me. And that was the thing that I think he really loved what he heard, the feeling of what I was trying to do, not necessarily playing solos or being advanced and this, that. Uh, I think he heard the way I dang, dang, the dang, dang, the dang, dang, the way I carried a band or a soloist. 
in uh, so-called jazz, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think that was it because he had, you know, I had never recorded, I had, ne had never made a record 1945 till later, you know, that year maybe. And when I went to, uh, from Boston to New York was September of 1945 to play with a big band which I had never played with before. I'm talking about 12-piece orchestra with four brass, four reeds, and uh, four rhythm section. You know, it was my first time doing that. And the way I approached it, uh, the band leader was happy, everyone in the band was happy, seemingly. And I played at the Savoy Ballroom in Harlem, New York, where they had people dancing. A lot of people listening, standing in front of the bandstand, listening and watching. And, you know, from then on, I do remember on that first year, Buddy Rich standing in front of the bandstand, uh, listening to the band. I don't want to say listening to me, but I think that's what he was doing. And he was not standing still. He was just moving along with the music like that. Buddy Rich. Yeah. Do you remember Buddy Rich? Uh, it sounds like too many people don't or didn't remember Buddy Rich. Hell yeah. Well, somebody said, hell yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. So this is, so obviously it's just the way you made people feel. Well, evidently, you know, some of the musicians too, if I may say, you know, in the band, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I teach at uh, Roosevelt University now. So, you know, a lot of times we talk about different eras and stuff. So I hope I'm not going to be too academic. No, in, it in sounds my, good. Okay, good, good playing with like Charlie Parker, how did, how did that evolve into getting into that direction then? Well, let's see. Uh, I went to New York in 1945, September 1945, and I joined Lewis Russell Band. And during that period, I had uh, listened to some recordings with Charlie Parker, and uh, some of the recordings with Charlie Parker was Max Roach. Uh, and this uh, new feeling, bebop as it was called, was becoming very popular during that time. Uh, I stayed with the Lewis Russell band for a couple of years. Uh, and then uh, while I was with that band, there were times when I uh, was off from the band and I played with some of the younger musicians my age, maybe older and younger as well. They were playing this uh, new feeling, so-called bebop, as you had mentioned. And uh, so uh, some reason I was involved in that and playing with uh, some of the musicians that were around New York at the time, my age, some older, some younger. And before I realized that I was hired by Charlie Parker to replace Max Roach, okay. who was becoming very popular at that time, you know, playing uh, this new feeling of uh, the music called bebop. You know, and, you know, and it just went from there. I stayed with Charlie Parker for a couple of years. Right. Now, how did you that know. change your playing, or how did, how did it make you... Because it's, it's almost a different language as, as far as so. How did you change your playing from like the Papa I, Joe Jones? I don't thing think I changed. Really? I don't think I changed. No. That's great. I 
continue to grow. Okay. If you want to put it that way, I continue uh, on this new stuff that was happening musically. But it was still, my feeling was still dang, dang, da dang, ding, da dang. But it was the way you was, I would try to, I didn't think it was decorating, but, you know, becoming involved with the left hand and the right foot. You know, dancing, so to speak. It's still. Okay, right. And with two hands. <laughs> All in this kit, but it's still the tempo was still one, two, three, four, two, two. You're just dancing along with it, but it, everything is still there. Yeah, you know, and that's something for all of us, especially those of us who want to be a drummer or who are a drummer. You know, that was it. From you know, I listened to uh, Papa Joe Jones, Sid Catlett, and some younger players as well and I always kept my ears open. You have to keep your ears open, especially if you're not just reading music. These things in jazz are very important. It's not always looking, it's feeling. Think about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, it's just like with a conversation, if you just listen to yourself, you'll always say the same thing. But if, if a conversation, the other person plays you and you play them, then it becomes like a dialogue, which is basically music, right? Say that again. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. I'm saying that, you know, say in life, if you just listen to what you say and you're talking to people at them, you're basically going to say the same thing no matter who you're talking with. But if you talk to somebody and you listen to what they say, that's going to change what you talk about. So everything grows. It becomes a conversation as opposed to just talking at somebody, right? Right. Talking with somebody. Exactly. Or to somebody. Back and forth. Right. It's not one person doing all the talking. Right. So yeah. musically, that, if it's five people or three people or 16 people, that grows into something if everyone gives in to the other people and it becomes a dialogue. Right. Right. Dialogue. Yeah. Right. Da, da. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, you've done that. Now, now I would like to ask one question before we go further. Uh, if you are a drummer or if you are a musician, would you raise one hand, please? I just want to check this. So sometimes it's good to know. And feel, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, we can call a lot of people drummers. I don't want to get too involved in that because, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt nobody's feeling. <laughs> Even though I don't have the names, but uh, you know, we'd say drummer, drummer, drummer. But uh, a drummer, a drummer. I've been playing music probably since I was a teenager. I'm now in my, I forget how old I am. Craig. 87. That's my son who said how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what I was going to ask him. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Okay. <laughs> okay, so should we stop for a second and see if anybody has any questions before we keep going? That's good, yeah. Okay. Anybody have any questions out there? Where'd you get the glasses for your uh, album cover? What's the question? Where did I get the glasses? For your album cover. What glasses? What <laughs> album cover? I made more than one album. Oh, the, that's the cover. Oh, my God. I didn't know that was behind me. 
<laughs> these are not the same ones, though. But uh, if I told you, it'd probably be, be like doing a commercial. I got these glasses from so-and-so, but those are very popular. I don't have them now, but they've been... I got them in Japan? How you know I got them in Japan? You were with me when I got them? Are you sure those are the same ones? He said, that's Jaleel Shaw. He plays with my group. He plays uh, flute and saxophone and what else do you play, Jaleel? Huh? That's all? No, you play more than that. You play good music. Are we playing here tomorrow somewhere? Can you tell the people where we're going to play tomorrow? Yeah, um, they're playing the Jazz Fest tomorrow. Yeah, Chicago Jazz Festival. So, Millennium Park. Millennium right. Park. Yeah. I'll have my own group there. If someone would really like to uh, see what my group sounds like or never seen me perform musically before, please come out and check us out and say hello. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed. Please come out. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> More questions. Yes. What's your most uh, memorable sh gig or favorite uh, favorite place to play? Uh, memorable gig. Uh, at this stage of my life, I don't think I would want to pick out one most memorable. Uh, favorite place to play. I love to play. And uh, the more the audience enjoys it, the more I enjoy it. And it makes me even play even more. I can feel when they're enjoying the music. And I've been playing since I was, professionally since I've been about 20, 19 or 20 years old. <coughs> what was it like playing uh, with uh, Chick Corea on Now He Sings, Now He Sobs? Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, I would like you, the next time you see Chikoria, ask him the same question, but how he liked or what was it like for him to have played with Roy Haynes. It was, to me, it was a great feeling. Chick is good. He plays music like he is a drummer himself, and it's just accompanying this guy. He checks you out. He's looking. He's listening. And it's something that's really hard to explain other than just be on the bandstand with him and performing, in my case, the drums. Th that was the first time that trio had played together, too, because when I asked Miroslav, you know, to confirm that there was indeed you on that record, well, there's not much information on it, like I was saying. On, on the LP itself, didn't even have you and Miroslav Vitas's name on there, so there wasn't any, any really stuff. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you enjoy that, or do you enjoy listening to it? I still enjoy I mean, I still hear so much music that I didn't even hear the, the times before. There's so much stuff in there to check out that I constantly listen to that, and I make all my students <laughs> listen to that. And then mm. anybody that doesn't know about it becomes one of their favorite records instantly. It's just because it's, it's amazing. Now he sings. Now he sobs, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you guys have been playing as a trio on and off over the years, too. Not a lot, a, a little bit every now and then, yeah. But Which you've done a couple of albums for ECM and stuff. There's a live album and yeah, some yeah, things like yeah. that, yeah. 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 Those are amazing players. Well, you know, the thing that always amazed me about you is that 
you know, you have, you can fit into any style. You had the hip ensemble, which was one of my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. I saw you guys many times. Mm -hmm. And played with Thelonious Monk. One of the most famous records of Thelonious Monk is Live at the Five Spot, mm -hmm. which is an amazing record. Yeah. With Coltrane, yeah. that version of My Favorite Things is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, you seem to be able to fit in anything. Uh, the Andrew Hill <laughs> records kill me. Black Fire and Smokestack. Wow. Those are unbelievable, wow. great records. You wow. even play with Dorothy Ashby, the, the, the oh. harp player. So I've got you on so much oh stuff. I mean, you God. have no idea how much. Dorothy I mean, Ashby. Yeah, remember that record? Wow, you're amazing, man. <laughs> well, I just love your playing, man. I, Thank I, you. And, and Thank really, you. It's made such an impact on me that it's easy to remember that stuff. Wow. It's not, you know. This is the first time that uh, I can remember being uh, on a stage interviewed and somebody pulls out that. You pulled out da-da-da and da-da-da. <laughs> you know, that doesn't always happen. Really? You know, somebody may pull out that and that's it, but you, a couple of different extremes there. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it always works. I mean, and, and you know, even Oliver Nelson, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. How long have you been playing drums? Uh, since I was 12. Well, I don't know how old you are well, now. I'm so. gonna be 60 in January, so. I've been playing drum sets since 14, drums wow. since 12, yeah. yeah and I played with Pat Metheny for 18 ah, years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, you get an old guy, you, wow. It was, it was nice to see you again. Nice to be on the stage <laughs> with you. I'm <laughs> serious. Man. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. I didn't know that. Besides, guys, wow. Wow. You have a question out there? Yeah. Roy's cool. Roy. <laughs> You sound like you know me. <laughs> I feel like I do. Let me check uh, you out. Before <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get busted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a musician's uh, lifestyle. A musician's can be lifestyle. Very stressful. Interesting. And uh, are you married? Uh, <laughs> you stick to uh, music, man. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking that um, the, li the lifestyle could be stressful and harmful to your health, and I'm wondering, what do you attribute your longevity, and you look like the picture of health, what do you attribute it to, your successful life? Uh, well, I love uh, the, the music. I love playing the music. And I think I still have something to say musically. I've been playing since I was very young. Go, ask me any question you want to ask me. How have you managed to live such a good life and for so long? So many others dropped before you. Well, I, I, I can speak. I don't know. I'm cool. I, I, I don't know. I'm thankful. Every moment, I cherish every moment. The moments I really like when I'm playing, not talking, I try to speak from the instrument and tell my story. But every now and then, I'm asked to do something like this, and I'm as truthful as I can be. I enjoy it, you know, but I prefer playing more so. Um, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here also. Next. I know I, I can ask you this any time, but when I first started playing with Roy, um, the first thing that you said to me, one of the first things you said to me 
was not to lean on you. And uh, you, you said you're not here to keep the time. You know, you, you told me to, to have your own time and you talked a lot about Coltrane and, you know, Charlie Parker having time. And I was wondering if it was something that you consciously did, you know, decided to do was to, 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 to me, when I play with you, I feel as though you're accenting and embellishing what I'm doing. You're listening to what I'm doing more than, you know, any other drummer that I've ever played with in my life. So when I, you know, after you said that to me, I wanted to work more on my time, but I, I, I wondered if that's something that, you know, that you thought about earlier on was not trying to keep time, but trying to embellish and give colors to what you're doing. Because I, I, you know, I play with many drummers in New York and I don't hear it, you know? I don't hear it in you know, even some of the young drummers today. So I was wondering if that's something that you decided to do earlier on or if it was just something that just naturally came. I would think that it's something that I feel. I don't know how long I've been feeling that way. I guess that's the way I feel, but I don't remember saying too much to you. Don't, uh, well, I, I know I didn't say those words, but uh, you, uh, maybe what I did say at the time meant that to you, don't lean on me, because I would never say, don't lean on me, first of all. That I know. <laughs> but maybe whatever I did say uh, it sounded like or felt like that to you. I don't think I would. Uh, you were? You were depending on me for the time. This is Jaleel Shaw talking now, who's been playing with uh, the group now for how long? Six years? My God. <laughs> so he's a great player and a great person. And this is the first time I do remember him sitting in an audience uh, throwing something at me like this. But it's all good. <laughs> Next. All right. <laughs> no, no. What else? No. What else were you saying, though? I see some hands going up now. I see questions. Oh, that was for something else. Oh, you got a question coming up, uh, uh, Jaleel, Anything else? Uh, you can ask me later. <laughs> oh, <you> <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the first time that I can remember somebody who's on the bandstand with me throwing a question at me, you know, uh, like this. But, uh, you know, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and when you can handle it, it's, it's great. You know, I, I, I love the idea of you doing this. I was saying it's something I've always thought about with time because I always hear you talk about John Coltrane and Charlie Parker and how their, they, their time is amazing. You know, and now when I go back to listen to John Coltrane and Charlie Parker, that's what I think about is how their phrasing and their time is. And when I play with you, I hear that. I hear phrasing and I hear, you know, I hear time. I, I, you know, I can feel it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, it's something that I'm constantly trying to work on, you know, is like having my time like that, you know, having my time, being able to play different rhythms, you know, um, 
anywhere I want over time. And I hear that when you play, you know. I, I hear that you can play any rhythm you want at any, in, in any space. And when I listen to John Coltrane and Charlie Parker, those are the, the main guys that, you know, rhythmically they can play. And, and as far as phrasing, you know, and ideas, that's what they're, they're doing. So I was just wondering if that's something that you, you may, you know, maybe you picked up playing with Bird or, or e even Lester Young too, you know? And, and to be honest, Lester Young was probably the, the father of that. You know, Louis Armstrong too, all, all, like all of, you know, the masters, their time is amazing. And it's not only their time, but it's just where they can put an idea or where it's just like talking yeah. and being able to say the right thing at the right time. And I feel so, when, with, with Roy, that's what I feel. I feel so he plays the right thing at the right time, mm. you know, and, and, and listens, and he'll give you the right color and the right embellishment, and he's listening for what you're playing. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's always with you, you know? Mm. Wow. This is the first time that <laughs> I remember doing something like this, and a member of the group, has spoken up from sitting in the audience at this length. You know, already, you know, you had a few sentences right in there, and it's, it's, wow. This is amazing for me. You know, I'm thankful. Every moment, wow, it almost makes me feel something. I'm serious. It just hit me, man. It, I, don't remember this being done like this before. I got uh, uh, I got a couple of questions. I don't want to hog things, but uh, in kind of in reference to what Jaleel was talking about, uh, what would you uh, say the responsibilities of the drummer is when he's backing somebody like Sarah Vaughn as opposed to playing in an all-instrument group? What would the drummer's responsibilities be behind a vocalist? Are you, are you a drummer or a vocalist? I'm just a guy holding the microphone. Nah, nah, you, you nah, you beyond that. I play. Uh, uh, that's all right. No, I play the. I'm very good at playing the CD. Play the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I was a master on the cassettes. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. That's just uh, the first question, though. I would, if maybe you could just uh, say a little something about backing the vocalist as a backing the vocalist. Yeah, how how you embellish behind the vocalist and. Uh, well, you know, it depends on, on the vocalist. My feeling, if I'm a, if I'm gonna be accompanying a vocalist, who I don't know, who, did I hear you mention Sarah Vaughan's name a minute ago? Well, when you mention Sarah Vaughan's name, yeah, I think you should leave it alone after that. You know, <laughs> I was fortunate to, to play with Sarah Vaughan for a number of years, man. And she was not just, you know, uh, a new star or somebody. I mean, uh, this lady was a genius. And I recorded with Ray Charles and I accompanied Billie Holiday and you know quite a few great vocalists in my time and anyhow it's enough of that enough of me bragging about <laughs> who I played with what was the question again or was it the question 
Well, it, 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 depend, it depends on the drummer. It depends on the drummer, you know, and, and the vocalist. Maybe the vocalist would hire a drummer because if it was a female, she loved the, drum, the drummer, maybe, you know, or maybe, I don't know. There's a lot of different things involved there, man. <laughs> I, I play with Savon. I don't know if she loved me or not, but <laughs> some people used to ask. Musically, we were so cool together. I was with her for five years, man. I think it was five years. Yes, yeah, it's five years. Savon, man, and every time she would sing, oh, man, leave me alone, man. I mean, this. oh, man. I, I was, they should have been paying me to listen to her. She sounded... Every night was great on the bandstand. <laughs> One more? No, I mean, it was enjoyable for five years. Next, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, you make me relive that stuff all over again. I'm just thinking about it. We'll take one more question from the audience. Okay. One last question. We got any female vocalists in the house? Uh, come on, hit me one note. Yes. Um, we're students at the Chicago College of Performing Arts, either in classical music or jazz music. Do you have any advice for our young aspiring performers? Do I have any advice? I would never give anyone any advice that I never heard. What do you mean? I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not that great. I would never have any advice. Be, be sure, I mean, if you, if you want to be a musician, vocalist, whatever, be serious about it. I I was never good at trying to give anyone advice, but uh, if you sound good, and I have to perform with you, I'm gonna do my best to make you even sound better. So if you're a vocalist, hire me. <laughs> All right. All right. That wraps up our Q and A. One huge round of applause for Roy Haynes, everyone. Thank you.